Ian Mitchell picks it up, sends in Kiki. Centering pass. Pacquiao has his first NHL goal. He had the best two opportunities for Boston in this period. Missed the net both times. He gets a third opportunity. He doesn't miss. Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 64. 64. The Bobby Robbins episode. Bobby Robbins. In partnership with the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. Doing a little bit of a hippest Lindholm signed jersey giveaway right now. Um, Rules are retweet that tweet from the Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast account and follow Primetime Prods. And you are officially entered into the sweepstakes. So that's going live right now. The winner of the jersey will be picked prior to the game on Thursday night. So make sure you get into that sweepstakes. But, hey, we're five games into the season right now. Uh, Regular season Bruins hockey team is undefeated still. Uh, Lucic is dealing with a little bit of a lingering injury to the foot. Um, I actually watched the replay about 10 minutes ago. And you know whose fault it was? Yeah, let me know. Derek freaking Forbert. He fired a shot at it. No, I'm just kidding. It's not actually his fault. But still, we always, I always rag on Derek Forbert. I just wanted to mention that it was his shot. <laughs> just, give, just give him a little shot really quick. But yeah, uh, Lucic is out right now. Um, Matthew Potrell is is lighting up the world. Uh, he's becoming a household name quick in Boston. Um, and I don't think he's going to change his number either. That's kind of a random thought. But I think 51 fits him so well, dude. And everything's going so good, too. Like, why switch up the vibes? What are you going to – like, just, you can't do that. I was just talking about – I think I was talking about that with my dad. and uh, Or it might have been on our latest episode. It was probably both, honestly. I hate 51 so much, dude. Like, it, it just doesn't – it isn't – and I guess, like, a, a number is not really a number until somebody makes it. A number if that makes any sense at all right like it who does. the hell it were does. who the who the hell were 37 for bergeron did or who Couldn't the hell was you. picking we definitely did talk about this because who the hell would wore 63 before brad marshawn did who was wearing 33 before char like that's those are some ugly ass numbers but like they yep. made them cool now like i'm sure like you walk into like a youth hockey rink in the northeast and every kid who wants to be a two-way fo- center is wearing 37 or every little short kid wants to wear 63 and uh, like Matthew Potra, I don't know if he was maybe a big Ryan Spooner fan or what. I don't know he if they gave been. him, 
Maybe. Like, I, I thought that they were going to hold that number for a little bit after everything that Ryan Spooner gave to this organization. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, I was wondering if it was a number that they just kind of gave them and said, you know, nine games from now, pick a new number or if you're going to roll with it. But like you said, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's been one of the better players on the ice every time he's out there. He got two goals the other night, pretty much single-handedly won the game for the Bruins. I mean, yeah. if it ain't work, don't fix it. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing too with 51. Like now, whenever I see 51 on the ice, I'm like Patra. Like that's Patra. Like I really? Because part of me is still like Spooner. Oh no, really? Patra. A little bit. Really? Yeah. Dude, completely wiped away from my brain. I, well, I, no, I, Ryan who? Ryan who? I think, I think Ryan Patra? Spooner. I feel like, uh, like those early years there, like Ryan Spooner was like kind of the prince who was promised. Like this guy is going to be gross someday. And then he wasn't and like again i'll say it again who the hell wears 51 who wore it before spooner who wore it after that's like it's like those like when you're you're you know you're a little liquored up you're hanging around the fire with your buddies <laughs> beers have been flowing it's 11 30 at night on a weekend and everybody starts just pulling names out of a hat you remember when ben jarvis green ellis was on the patriots you remember <laughs> uh, uh von wafer from the celtics like you just start pulling out some random ass names and i feel like ryan like ryan Spooner. you remember number 51 ryan spooner on the bruins who else wore that damn number and i feel like uh if anybody is upset about potra's emergence there's only one person in the world who's upset and that's ryan spooner because yep. he's now no longer the number 51 and not like it was ever a claim anyways. I mean, he was the only 51, but he's completely wiped away from Bruins lore. He's gone. He's <laughs> and all it took was a 19 year old kid to do it. But hey, welcome back to the show. Episode 64, uh, the Bobby Robbins episode. If you haven't had a chance to look at Bobby Robbins highlights, I mean, Jesus Christ, this man was just a wrecking ball with two fists and he would just cave people's faces in. Um The man's got a book coming out early 2024 called Sex, Drugs, Pucks, and Souls, Secret Life of a Hockey Fighter. And I've seen little snippets of it, you know, him on Twitter kind of talking about it. I've seen some crazy stories and and hopefully we'll be able to learn a little bit more in the future and then dive a little bit deeper into it. Um, That might be a little bit of a teaser, but I guess we'll see. Still kind of in the works, but... um, yeah, I mean, we, we were saying it earlier, Bruins undefeated so far. Uh, the last time we recorded, the Bruins were set to play three games. Obviously, they play Chicago tonight in about an hour, so we won't be talking about that game, but maybe we'll do a little bit of a preview, and then as you listen tomorrow morning on Wednesday, you can see how wrong or dumb we were. Um, but obviously for the Bruins, dude, um, they they went on this West Coast road trip early in the season, which sucks because we're all we were all so hockey starved right we waited so long for the season to come we get a couple games you know at regular time seven o'clock eight o'clock whatever and then all of a sudden you get hit with these 10 30 starts and it's like oh my god ridiculous like i know you didn't get a chance to watch at least at least the the sharks game i know you didn't get a chance to watch yeah i mean the sharks game and and if there was a game i was gonna miss i was happy it was a sharks game because they have nobody notable on their team it seemed like a fairly boring game when i woke up and looked at the box score i'm glad i saw la because that was a good game and i mean the ducks suck as well yeah. but they have plenty of guys in that team like i don't like trevor's egress it, it was uh, wait, did, oh no, that was Leo Carlson. It didn't play. I don't like Trevor Zegers. So it was nice watching him get get a take into him. And I do have Troy Terry on my fantasy team, so I was enjoying watching him play. But um, no, like we talked about it last week. Like those ten thirty start times are so stupid. Like so stupid. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense that we're in the twenty first century. Like you know, oh, 
like yeah, a, a random Tuesday night in October. Let's just have every single team in the NHL play at one night. We can have this huge ESPN extravaganza. Call it the Frozen whatever, whatever they're doing tonight that Butchergrass is hosting. But let's do it on a Tuesday in October when people are busy. Like, what? Why couldn't you do it on a Saturday or do it on like Thanksgiving or something? I don't know. That's dumb too. But like that—that's what I was saying. Because like. You can do something like that where you can have every single team play on one day and stagger. You have 16 games. So you can stagger them throughout the day. So they all start at different times. But yep. when you have an, a, a major East Coast market team go out West, you can't have the game start an hour, an hour early, 930 even. I would do with that. No, you got to keep it at 1030. That's what pisses me off. But if you're going to have a West Coast road trip, yeah, it's best to have it at the beginning of the season. Guys can come together. Um, also, like if you miss a, if you miss game four of the season, big deal. If you miss game seventy eight when the Bruins are making a playoff push, that sucks. And I mean, miss it as in like I don't want to have to stay up until ten thirty on a on a work night. I'm an old man now. But um, did you see? Did you see after the game? After the I know we're talking about the Sharks game right now, but did you see after the uh, the uh, Jesus Christ the Ducks game? There we go. Where. Uh, Patra had two goals. Did you see him after when they gave him the puck? How like, oh, innocent he looked, dude. He, he was, was he was like psyched. melting into the ground. I was like, yeah, oh my dude. god. But but before we get into that, because we definitely will. The Sharks game, you were right. Good game to miss because it was just watching paint dry, dude. It was <laughs> it was so boring. Um, Olmark, we uh, the Bruins get the three to one win. Olmark makes twenty six saves on twenty seven shots. Uh, pasta with a goal again. It was a wild goal too. One of those weird ones where you just kind of like, it just bounces off of everything and goes in. Um, Marshawn with a goal and JVR with a goal. JVR with three goals right now in the season. Um, actually, am look I right out. about that? Am I right look about out. that? I think you are. Yeah. Because that's a goal game. Um, yeah, JVR. Yeah, JVR. Three goals, uh, four points um, on the season. But but that game, yeah, kind of boring. Obviously, the Bruins get the win over the, the worst team in the NHL. So that's always good. But um, then we bounce over to L.A. And like you said, that was a game you got to watch. That was an exciting game. Honestly, one of the first teams that we've seen this season that's at least a playoff um, contender. Um, Bruins get the win, too. Electric game, 4-2. to two. Um, Also, congratulations to Anze Kopitar. 1,200 games in the NHL. Obviously a legend in the L.A. Kings organization and in hockey in general. I would honestly love to see him as an individual get another cup before he retires too. Cause he's like, he's kind of a, I don't want to say Walmart version. Cause he's not a Walmart version, but he, he's very similar to Bergeron in the, in the fact of his 200 foot game, the way he leads on and off the ice. Um, the fact that he's been with LA his entire career, one cup, like, it's actually funny. You say that. Cause I, I remember, I distinctly remember when Bergeron retired that, um, Everybody was like, oh, like that, you know, you're a legend. You're the greatest two-way forward of all time. You're for first battle Hall of Famer. And everybody was acknowledging for him, Bergeron, for how great he was. And LA Kings fans were like, "You're the what do you mean? He's the second. Kopitar is better than Bergeron. And there was like legitimate discourse, I remember, around hockey Twitter when Bergeron retired that Anze Kopitar was better than Bergeron. And it was only Kings fans. But... Anze Kopitar, I think growing up, he was one of my f- f- absolute favorite players. Like, yeah, uh, he, I I saw him as like a souped up David Krejci, like supreme mm. playmaker, top line center his whole career, elite two way player, great on the face off dot, multiple Stanley Cup champion. He's 
the kind of player that everybody wants to be. And to call him a poor, like a poor man's Bergeron, I think does him a disservice. Cause I, we always yeah. like, I remember when I was talking about Ryan O'Reilly and how much I, I hate him and that <laughs> he's a poor man's Bergeron. Yes. But like, Anze Kopitar is just Patrice Bergeron in like italics and like a different yeah. font. Like very like very similar style player. Um I think overall he was a better offensive player. He had a, a more a more career points, but Bergeron in my opinion the opinion of everybody else is the better player. This isn't a, this the whole point of this wasn't a compare. I was going to talk about how uh I think the coolest moment of the night was Kopitar, uh, his son coming in the locker room and reading the lineup. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. That was and, cool. Uh, yeah, and the moment that they shared when Kopitar Anze ran over and gave him a hug. That was pretty cool. But, um, you know, for, for LA, like they've had a lot of, you know, turnaround from uh, their, what, what was that, 2012? 2012. Their, their yeah, first right year. Yeah, I mean, obviously Quick isn't there anymore. That was huge that he's not part of that franchise. When Dustin Brown is gone, he got a statue, didn't he? Dustin Brown. Yep. Yeah, which okay, that's very, that's very, yeah, that's a little crazy. getting a statue to say. Let's build Morgan geekiest. No, that's more important <laughs> to the Kings and geekiest. That was a joke, but um, no, but I mean, I on Anze Kopitar is like you know one of those pillars of that LA Kings team that was, and they're still a very good team, and they, they were my dark horse candidate. But um, it's kind of sad because like a lot of these players who we grew up watching are getting older. Like Kopitar has got to be in his mid thirties by now, and he's still oh, yeah. playing well. He's still producing, but. It's sad. Like I was thinking about that the other day. Like Jonathan Taves isn't in the league right now. Patrick, Patrick Kane is, isn't in. He's still unsigned. Like yep. uh Duncan Keith is come and gone. Uh what's his name? Drew Dowdy. He's still a good player, but he's not, you know, as elite as he once was. Eric Carlson sucked for a couple of years, but he's good again, right? So <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah, no, it's just sad. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, oh man. But I mean, speaking of geeky though. Uh, in the LA game, Geeky got his first goal of the year. Uh, Lucic with his second assist on that goal. Uh, Marshawn with two. Pasta put in his fifth. Um, Pasta Pasta's starting up on fire again. Um, let me see here. I'm pretty sure Jeremy Swayman started that game. I just want to make sure that I'm right about that. Yeah, Jeremy Swayman started that game. He made 32 saves on 34 shots. Um, and, and then we went to the Ducks, and this game, this game – the first period, at least. I did you get a chance to watch that game? Yeah, I did. First period. I don't know about you, but I thought the first period was just so boring. No, oh, I almost nothing asleep, happening. Yeah. yeah, there was nothing happening. Second period picked up a little bit. It started to get a little chippy, and then still zero zero heading into the third. When um, I'm pretty sure it was McTavish that scored that first goal with about 15 minutes left in the third, and and, and when that happened too, I was kind of like, oh damn, like this feels like one of those games where whoever scores first is just kind of going to run out the clock. And then that's going to be it. Like I was, I was in my head, I was kind of like, you know what? This kind of feels like the Bruins first loss. It's fine. We're four and Oh, uh, long West coast road trip and uh, on a back to back too. And I was like, okay, if you lose this game, you lose this game. That's okay. And then out of freaking nowhere, Matthew Patra with his first NHL goal ties the game up like a minute after McTavish scores. And all of a sudden, the bench has life. Fucking the fans have life. And talk about um, uh, an away game that felt like a home game because Bruins fans took Honda Center over. Um, and then even after Pacha scored his first, he gets the rebound off a of Jake DeBrus shot and puts in the game-winning goal to give the Bruins the lead. I was watching that game with my family, and we all just hopped up out of our – 
our you know our our our, our couches and we were like holy fucking shit no way no fucking way yeah i mean the ducks suck like don't get me wrong but i don't know and- dude they were playing really well that game though yeah, but I think I think part of the reason that they were playing so well was because the Bruins were playing their third game in four days in a West Coast road trip. I like because I, I was thinking about that and I was like, oh man, like 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 you were saying, like not not that it's a trap game per se because it's a game you still want the Bruins to win. But like you're right, like they started the, the season off so hot um, that you know they're still in California, their third game in four days, the second second night of a back to back. Like if they're gonna drop a game. I guess this is to be the game because you're not worried about, you know, seeing the the uh, Anaheim Ducks come playoff time or something like that. Um, and I think that they were definitely asleep for that first period. But uh, the fact that Anaheim can get that goal in the third period and then all of a sudden Bruins can just flip a switch like that and go, all right, let's take this game over. And of all people to have it be the 19 year old kid Patra. And it, it wasn't like his goals. It wasn't even just like, he was like, Oh shit, here's a puck. Let me score. Like the, the first goal that he had, he was digging in the corner. He was winning a puck battle and, and fighting his way to the net. The second goal he had, which was like, I think his next shift, he was right in right, right spot, right time. And, uh, it was it was awesome to watch. And then of course Marshawn to finish it off. Uh great game all around, you know, and and uh what's his name too? Um great game from the goalies as well. Did you see the tweet today put out by Big Head Hockey? They said no, the I Boston didn't. the Boston Bruins since 2022-2023. Their last 87 games. The Bruins are 70-12 and 5. In their last eighty-seven regular season games, oh their 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 goalie what combination is- of Olmark and Swayman has a combined nine thirty-nine save percentage. That's first in the NHL. Uh, their star in David Pasternak has sixty-six goals in that time. That is first in the NHL. Their star has an eighty-two EVP. That is first in the NHL. Their defenseman is a plus fifty-one. That is first in the NHL. Defenseman, meaning they, they, I think it was Carlo. I'll get into it a little bit. First in the NHL. And then they also allow 2.08 goals against average per game. That is first in the NHL. And then they broke it down a little bit. The next closest team was the Carolina Hurricanes, who allowed 2.6 goals per game. Just to reiterate, the Bruins allowed 2.08 goals a game. The next closest was Carolina at 2.6. And that's not a small sample size. This is almost nine. This is 13 games away from 100. Like you're knocking on the door of of 100 games. Uh, Boston has more regulation wins than any other team has wins in general. So that's excluding overtime (laughs) wins, shootout wins. Not only is Lindholm first in the NHL and plus minus in that span, but Brandon Carlo is second and Matt Grizzlick is third. And Pasternak leads the league in that spin in goals, uh, EVG, EVP shots, game-winning goals, and overtime goals. So, talk about domination. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and to start that off, they're off to their best franchise start in ninety years at five yeah. and zero right now. So, which is kind of crazy that I they've never started a season five and zero. That's kind of nuts. I was thinking because I was thinking last year I was like, oh, they right. didn't even because I think it was I don't remember who it was on Twitter, but they got into an argument with somebody, and I was just I was reading through the tweets of their argument where somebody was saying like, oh yeah, like, you know, like this is stupid, like the Bruins, yeah, they're five and zero now, but like last year they were so much better than they were now, and look at look at how that season ended for them, and whoever it was was like, yeah, but that team last year didn't start off five and zero. That's true. They didn't. And look at what they accomplished regular season wise. Yeah. Um, and even to kind of uh, jump off of all those stats too, 
Jim Montgomery is in his second year with Boston. Um, he's he's led this team as a head coach for 87 games. This is ridiculous. 87 games. His record as Boston Bruins head coach, 70, 12, and 5. That's a point percentage of 833. And that's not a small sample size either. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's that's not. crazy. And, and just to compare, when he was uh, in Dallas, he coached 114 games. 60, 43, and 10 for a winning percentage of 570. So something about Jim Montgomery, this roster in Boston just clicks. Um, and, and oh my, I mean, is he, he's kind of, I'm not even, I don't think it's a stretch to say if he can have another successful season like we're seeing right now, you don't necessarily have to go out and be world beaters again like you were last year. But if you can lead this team to another 100 point season, say, he's in the running for, one of the best head coaches in Boston Bruin history. I mean, who would you put him up against? Obviously, I mean, you know, um, Claude Julian, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I think before he gets in on, on any list, he has to win a cup. Yes. First of all. But That's fair. I mean, I mean, having the the season that the regular season, every record a team could have that they have last year on your resume, of course, is huge. But I just think because of the coaches that we've had here in, in Boston and some of the teams they've had, you know, unless he's able to win a Stanley Cup, I, I wouldn't even consider him on that list that's, yet. That's fair. But, um, you know, it's also funny because during this whole offseason, I feel like all you've heard from like media discourse, whether it be social media or NHL Network, or like articles, is people saying like, the first thing they say when they talk about the Bruins is, yeah, they're going to take a step back. Obviously, they're going to take a step back. But the step back that people were talking about was like, 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 get as low as you can and take a massive jump back. Like this team is going to be fighting for wild card spot. They might even miss the playoffs outright. You know, this is the beginning of, you know, dark times for Boston. You know, they have some questions to answer moving forward. Their core is getting older. Bergeron is gone. And it's like, it's felt like everybody in the Bruins community who were like tuned in and watching this team is like, well, hang on a minute. Like this team is still going to be really good. Like we we're returning the best goalie uh, one, two punch in NHL history last year. We yep. still have a loaded defensive core. We still have playmakers throughout our lineup. It's just that we went from literally like the greatest roster in NHL history last year to one of the best rosters in the league this year. And that's why like now, like the, the, the Bruins have started the season five and oh, and I know people want to say, oh yeah, yeah, two of them were against all you know, the sharks and the ducks and you're right. They were, but you, to go to California, yeah, but I mean, to to have your first game of the year be a media shitstorm, a hype show because everybody's talking about Connor Bedard, centennial yep. season night. Like, there's a million distractions for that opening game, and the Bruins. For, I mean, that's a game you want them to win, but it's not like like I think you have to give them a little credit for being able to kind of tune out the noise and limit the distractions and just taking care of business because they very well could have been a trap game. Second game uh, against Nashville. That's a good Nashville team that the Bruins beat. Third game, I mean, obviously the Sharks aren't very good. Kings was a good win. Ducks aren't very good. But to go out, we were just saying, to go out as two weeks into the season, you got to go out to California away from your family for and play four games in five days and to be able to handily win all three of those games. Like, they started 5-0, and oh, and now people are saying, like, oh, wait a minute, like, 
did we miss the Bruins? Like how, you know, oh my God, they have the second, you know, <laughs> uh, they're five and oh, they're second behind the Knights who are six and oh, like, you know, the Bruins haven't missed a beat. And I feel like as Bruins fans, we're like, yeah, no shit. Like, this is what we've been telling you guys. Like, we yep. still have this elite defensive core. We still have this incredible goalie combination. We still have Pasternak, who hasn't skipped a beat, like you said, five goals in five games. We've been telling you about Potra all preseason. Nobody wanted to listen. NHL is <laughs> tweeting out, you know, videos. Where did Potra come from? We've been screaming his name from the mountaintops. We already we've have been candy. saying it. We have candles christened with with Patra's face all over everybody's house. He, I mean, you can't even go into a Dunkin' Donuts without hearing somebody talk about Matthew Patra. I mean, people are excited. <laughs> like every like like Lucic is back. Like he's rumbling on the fourth line. I mean, Jake DeBrus gets benched, no problem. Connor Brown goes in, he sucked, but like yeah. it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things, anyways, because the Bruins ended up winning. Like everything is coming up roses right now, five games through the season, and and people could listen to this now. Wednesday morning, because of course we're recording this before the the uh, Blackhawks game. The Bruins could get their shit kicked in tonight, and this whole thing I just said would be for nothing. But I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. But still, like you can't dismiss the first five games of the year, building off of a strong preseason and building off of what they had last year. Like Bruins are here to stay, and I think people outside of Boston maybe weren't expecting that. Yeah, and even to kind of um, piggyback off of what you were saying about the goaltending. Um, I'm going to rattle off what Jeremy Swayman and, um, Lisa oh, wait, Omar. I think I said Connor Brown. I meant Patrick Brown. Sorry. I was going to, yeah, but see, that's how much he stinks. Cause we don't, you don't even know his first don't name. Even, I didn't even want to save his name in my brain. Yeah. So, so far this year, right. Um, let me see through, through, uh, three starts for the Bruins this season, Linus Allmark, three, oh, and oh, a one. 0.00 goals against average a 962 save percentage that's six that's 76 saves on 79 shots is that good can you it, i think oh wait, hang could, on a minute i i thought people were saying that Olmark was going to be a flash in the pan i mean i think it could be better yeah I mean, as a goalie the whole objective of you know tending the goal is to not allow any goals in and, and so far every game he's allowed a goal he's, he's allowed failed, a goal every game he's failed at least once every single game so far that he started in and i think if you he have to, that's a position you have to expect perfection out of and you're just not getting that from linus olmark right now no you're not and it, it's actually really sad to see because his counterpart jeremy swayman and i know we said linus olmark is having a tough start Wait till oh, you hear give Sway. It to me. Give it to me. I'm ready. So so Jeremy Swayman, he's he's played two games. He's 2-0. Two, two wins, no losses. He's got a goals against average, unlike Olmark, who has only allowed 1.00 goals against a game. Jeremy Swayman is at 2.02. With a save two? percentage. Yeah. With a save percentage of 943. <sighs> So I mean, you're telling me, you're telling me that if Jeremy Swayman saw a thousand shots, he would give up sixty-seven goals. Just about. That's a ridiculous amount of goals to give up. I mean, sixty-seven goals in one game, <laughs> seeing a thousand shots. And like we said too, the whole point of being a a, a goaltender is to tend the goal. Yeah, you, the whole point is to not let the puck in. These That's guys are letting failures. the puck in. These guys are letting the puck in. 
I mean, what I, do we what do we do about that? I'm ready do to we, see Brandon Bussy. That's what I do about it. I think we trade them both. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think uh, Jim Montgomery goes down to pure hockey and he grabs one of those like black uh, like stop it things, you know, that, that kids shoot on when your goalie when your when your goalie's dad is stuck in traffic and is late to the game when you tie that thing up. I think that's what they do. <laughs> Either that or the Bruins every game they just lay they lay the net down and everybody has to shoot it in the top of the net like you do <laughs> again when yeah. the goalie's dad is stuck in traffic. And I think that's your only explanation. Because if you're seeing a thousand shots and you're letting in 67 of them, that's 67 too much. I'm that's expecting perfection. I just can't believe that there's no shutout. But all jokes aside, holy shit, are Linus yeah, Allmark and Jeremy Swayman fucking back? I know. That's back or what? And they had they had every and, and again, it's only been five games, but right. they had every, they had every reason after what happened last year to go like you know close the door and look at each other and go, Oh, we're not doing that shit again. I'm doing that shit again. I mean, I don't know last year when, when, and it's also crazy too. Listen, I need to dial it in because I'm getting too ahead of myself. Do you think that they have the, the, the possibility of being even better? Because if you look at their numbers last year, their combined numbers last year, unbelievable. They're ridiculous, but that also included the first month of the season last year when Swayman sucked, when he was terrible to start the year last year. And people here were saying that he should get sent down to Providence like a month in. I have screenshots. I have screenshots. Don't act like some of you guys weren't saying that. And if you had Jeremy Swayman starting the season the way that he has right now, he's dialed in. He's locked in. He looks like he's game 75 from last year. If you have both of those guys dialed in, playing like this a full year. Now they're going to have their games where they let in five, six goals. That's fine. Hopefully the senators don't come to town anytime soon while Swayman's starting to net, get a little repeat of last year. But if you have both of those guys who don't miss a beat and they don't struggle for a month, like Swayman did last year, I mean, their numbers could be even better than they were last year. I don't want to say it, but they could. No, I actually didn't even think of that. So I went back and looked at Swayman's stats last year and he started, uh, let's see, he started 37 games. He was 24 and 6, 26, 24, 6 and 4, 227 goals against average, 920 save percentage with four shutouts. I don't think it's a stretch to say that he could be better than that this year. And the way that Allmark has been playing this year, I it's funny because, I mean, people who listen, excuse me, people who listen to the show, know that neither of us are really analytical nerds right like we don't really first of all we don't really understand fully the analytical stuff we don't do numbers yeah no we it's the eye test all about the eye test right and when you're looking at Omark in these games you can just tell he's dialed in like and it's like it's it just seems effortless for him even on some of the hardest saves that he could make he just gets down low and he makes himself as big as possible and he nine times out of ten makes the stop and close whether he has to go post to post whether he has to make a sprawling save he always somehow manages to find the puck and it's it's really weird because obviously you know, we're we us growing up, right? Where we went from Tim Thomas to Tuka Rask, then to Jeremy Swayman and Linus Hallmark. I mean, all four goaltenders that we've been able to watch. Holy shit! Like, how lucky are we? First of all, I'm. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Linus Hallmark looks the most 
calm, confident, and and just foundational uh, more than any of them. And Tuca was known for being that that guy, like just like foundational to the core. He doesn't flop around. He doesn't do anything. The thing about Tuca was that he was like kind of like when he looked skinny ish, right? Like he didn't look like a big goalie. But when you look at Allmark, I mean, Jesus Christ, it looks like he's wearing like a sumo wrestling. It like, looks like a like, Mack truck. Yeah, he's huge, dude. And he takes up so much space. And even on breakaways or whatever, I'm never like, ah, oh, shit. I'm like, all right, Allmark, like fucking do your thing. Like, like do your thing. Yeah, no, I, it's funny you say that because I remember, uh, I distinctly remember watching Olmark's last start and and watching him do like the pregame skate around, yep. and for a guy like he's a tall guy, he's like six five, but it, if you've ever seen Linus Olmark, the guy is tiny. Like he, I think in his Twitter bio, he still has it. He's a like he's an he's an esport gamer or something. Like he plays video games. Like he that he has that kind of body type. Like he's just like a skinny lanky <laughs> dude. And when you watch him, like I was watching him in the pregame skate, and he was so wide. Like you said, yeah. sumo wrestler wide, like massive. And uh, I remember listening to an episode of Spit and Chicklets, the one that Tuka Rask was on, and he was talking about like you know comparing himself to Tim Thomas and how Thomas is is a legend that he's a, a phenomenal goalie but how him and Thomas were almost like yin and yang because their styles were so different whereas like Thomas is going to flop around you know he he's not afraid to like leave the net and, and do what he has to do to to stop the puck whereas Tukarask was so technically sound and he's always like his quick movements and tracking the puck and not saying that Thomas isn't but you can just tell two different goaltending styles and watching Linus Olmark, like I've said it before in this show, he doesn't move any more than he has to. Like his, he is so technically sound, like the way that he's able to watch a puck in and kick it out. And like, he isn't over sliding. He isn't over committing to the puck. Like he's always, he's always in between the pipes. He's always facing the puck. He's never out of position. It's unbelievable. And I think that, um, Olmark's style as well as Swayman's style are a little more similar because it's not like Tuka Rask and Tim Thomas where you have, you know, one on one hand, you got a flop and fish and, and Tim Thomas. And, the, and on the other hand, you have Tuka Rask who's technically sound. Like Jeremy Swayman is also a very technically sound player as well. So I think it's nice when you're in there because you have two goalies playing the same style who are never going to go out of their way to sell their defenseman out, like sliding out of the net or, or maybe trying to go out and at the blue line and dive and make some sort of save or whatever. Um, but I forgot what I was going to say after that. <laughs> no, no, I was building up to something and I forgot what I was going to say. It's going to be something goaltending wise, but um, yeah, no, because I, because I was going to say, I remember last year how Swayman had that one month where uh, he really struggled, especially giving up a goal, like first shot of the game. Uh, I think I tweeted it the other day. I remember what I was going to say. I tweeted it the other day as well, talking about, uh, the Bruins goaltenders, how you were just mentioning about how, like, how lucky are we, like, the goalies that we've had here? And I think I, I was talking to Tommy on Twitter about how, like, in uh, in the stretch where the Bruins went from Tim Thomas to Tuka Rask to Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman, like, the, if you want to include Jeremy Swayman and Linus Olmark together as one set, you have three different generations of goalies, all three of them one of Vesna. All three of them have led the league in, in multiple categories at some point in their career. And in that same uh, 15, 16, 17-year period where the Bruins went from Thomas to Rash to Swayman Olmark, I mean, you have a handful of teams who had double-digit 
number one goalies on their roster who were starving for a goalie. And that's why it's like, how lucky are we? Like now we got two of them on the same team, like of any team who like, who like, if like, you know, like the New England pages, for example, like the Pats kind of suck now, kind of, they do suck now. And like, people look at that and they go, Oh, thank God. Like this is finally like their day of reckoning is here. And like, I wonder if like, people look at the Bruins and they're like, Oh, like the Bruins have Tim Thomas. Oh, great. Now they have Tuka Rask. Oh, finally Tuka Rask is damn it. Here's Lena Zomark and Jeremy Swayman. Like there's always <laughs> somebody they have to deal with. We get rid of one legend and now we have two legends. Yeah, so. no, they all just start spawning up and people are really high on Brandon Bussey too, obviously, yep. especially after what he did in the preseason. Like the Bruins are just oozing goaltenders here. And that yep. has to be a credit to Bob Asensa as well. Cause you know, his, and, and it's funny cause every goalie, and I say every, we just talked, there's only been four who have, yeah. who have, you know, been the number one goalie in the system. They speak so highly of him. I can't speak for Tim Thomas because he has been living in a cave for 10 years, <laughs> but like, like Tuka Rask, like he speaks so highly of, of goalie Bob. That's what they all call him and how, how huge he was for his career. Cause they were asking him as well on spit and chicklets. Like Tim Thomas, is that a guy you could like go to, to ask for advice? Like, what was that like? And he was saying how like, not really like it's not like they didn't have that relationship but their styles were just so different and there's really nothing he could get from tim thomas because tuka rask was so technically sound and everything he did whereas thomas really wasn't he was just figuring it out making saves and that's where goalie bob came in and like a, a like a linus Olmark, like seeing what he did in buffalo and then now you know coming to boston and of course the defensive core that the bruins have here obviously helps in keeping the puck out of that but working with goalie bob and then having jeremy swayman come in and excel as quickly as he did because goalies really don't make the leap like there's usually growing pains with Jer- with goalies when they come in and it felt like there really wasn't much with jeremy swayman he'd struggled at times he went through stretches where he wasn't great but for the most part like he's been stellar yeah, I mean, even in his rookie year, right? Jeremy Swayman in his rookie year, um, he started. Uh, would you count ten games played his rookie year? Or would you say the first real season? His first. Okay, I'll go with this. His yeah. first real workload of a season, 2021-2022, 41 games played, 23 wins, 14 losses, three uh, overtime losses, two forty-one goals against, nine fourteen save percentage. Like that's not bad for your first real workload in the NHL. But I mean, freaking there. I guess this kind of stirred up a debate, right? Obviously, during the offseason, there was some debates on trading one of them. Are you are you in that boat anymore? Or would you even even say come come trade deadline? Bruins are say in this hypothetical scenario, Bruins are in a wild card spot. Or they're in third in the division, just barely hanging on the third, just out of the wild card. Do you consider trading one of them to get maybe help in the in the in your forward depth? Maybe a top six winger, a top six center. Do you consider that, or would you rather roll with the two goalies you have and just keep what's working? I mean, I think if the Bruins are to trade one of the two, it's entirely circumstantial. Like if. Like you just said, like if they're a wild card team or anything like that. But like if the Bruins are rolling like they are right now, if they're high and clear the wild card, if it's looking like they're going to lock it up pretty easily, no shot in hell either of them are getting traded. Right. But come you know that time, if they are a wild card team, I would be under the assumption that the main reason the Bruins are even in that position is because of Omar and Swayman. And I think if that were the case, 
and you were to trade one of them, uh, that would I I think that would probably be crippling to this team. Like yep. if 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 they were to make it that far, if they are, I don't think that it's going to come down to that. I mean, if before the season started, I think it, I thought it was a legitimate possibility. And and I keep coming back because I know it's only game five, but to start the season off the way the Bruins have, their defense looks great. Patra has is looking like he might be the deal. Pasta hasn't missed a beat. Like this team is good. And I'm not worried about them being, you know, fighting for a wild card spot anymore. And especially with Tampa Bay as well. Like that's huge, not having Vasilevsky for the first couple months of the season. Like I firmly believe that this team is going to be high and dry, clear of the wild card. But if it does get to that, um, it's probably because they've had some key injuries or whatever, or maybe uh, maybe they send Patra back to Ontario. Dude, I don't know. But if, if it gets to that point where the Bruins are fighting for a playoff spot, it's likely because they're only in that position because of the play of those two guys. So if they were to trade one of those guys, forget about it. Um, and I would exhaust every resource imaginable to get some forward help, if that's probably what it would be to help that team before I would turn to one of my two goalies and go, all right, it's one of you guys, you know, like that would be my, be my last answer, my last ditch effort. And I, and I, even if that, if that was the last answer at that point, to trade one of those two guys to get like a legitimate scoring winger to see if that would push you over the, over the top. I don't even know if that'll be worth it. Cause at least, cause you would have both of them coming back next year and you could, you you got money in free agency too. So I don't know. I, 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 before the season started, I, I know like I will, I'm, fully aware that I was all aboard if you get to the trade deadline moving one of those guys. But after watching them the first five games of the year, literally not miss a beat at all and return to the level of dominance that they were at last year. I don't, I don't want to move any of them anymore. Yeah, no, I'm with you too. I think you keep them um, through the season. I think you just, you, you have to, right. You like, you can't, like you can't, they're the best goaltending duo in the league. In last year NHL history, and they're kind of they're 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 right back where they left off. You you can't get rid of that. Um, there's other options you can look at. I think you got to keep those two, and plus the chemistry between them. If you break them up, who knows what that does to their psyche and and how that affects them going forward. Yeah, like just thinking about it too. Like has like I'm sure there has, but I can't think off my head. Like has anything like this like happened before like team building wise like i know like teams throughout history like obviously dynasties and whatnot they have a strong core whether it be you know they have an elite defenseman to pair with a couple of elite forwards or or vice versa and you have teams that have built their organization their their roster from the defense out they have an incredible defense they need some help uh or they and you know they have a balanced forward but their defense is making up for the goalies has there ever been a team that is just just pounded you with two elite goaltenders. And it's not like it's like a changing of the guard thing where you have like one of your goalies is 38 and you have this young phenom coming up, like like Thomas and Rask, for example. Like you have Linus Olmark, who's in the prime of his career with a 25-year-old Jeremy Swain. Like these guys are going to be elite for the next, each of them at least the next three to four years. Like you, like has that ever happened before where a team, it's almost like in football, right? Like, like some offenses are just dominated by the running back. You just, you get a couple good running backs and a good line. Forget about the passing game. This is how we're going to beat you. And it's a little different in hockey, obviously, but like for the Bruins, like we're going to start with our goalies. We have these two elite goalies who can shut the door every single night. We're going to have an extremely deep defensive core. And it seems like everything is kind of built out from that. And like, if they want to have these close games, that's fine. We're going to win them. But they just, how many games they just went three to one the last week alone, because they have the goaltending and the, and the defenseman to win these close battles and scoring. 
forget it. We'll figure it out. Like, you know, we have pasta. He's going to score. We have Marshawn. He's going to score. Patra, if he comes around, like he's really starting to get going here as well. Two goals in his last game. Like, we'll figure it out. But at the very least, we're going to keep the puck out of our net and we're just going to win games that way. Yeah, three points in, in five games for Matthew Patra. Um, but with that being said, I mean, we might as well jump into the DMs and the voicemails here. So I know we did get two voicemails. Mel, um, I think we should start with those. Yeah, we got two voicemails from the same phone number. The first one was on Sunday morning at 2 a.m. Oh, and the boy. second one was uh, Sunday morning at 3.30 a.m. So have not oh, listened uh, to these yet. Should be interesting. This was right after the the Bruins the Bruins Ducks game. So, well, I mean, not right after. It was like five hours after, or whatever. <laughs> you you get the point. Hang on, let me let me uh, throw it on speaker. All right, here it is. Hello, gentlemen. It's been a while. Solid performance by my boy Derek Forbord tonight. You guys are lucky. AJ Greer is still here. But to my question for the pod. Would you rather see the Bruins keep these jerseys for the next year or go back to what they had during the 2022-2023 season? Because in my opinion, those jerseys are 10 times better than what they got going on right now. I don't know, dude. I kind of – I know these are specialty jerseys. I know they're for the Centennial. But having something fresh and something new is really refreshing to see. And they don't necessarily have to go back to the same jerseys that they were wearing, you know, for the past 10 years, right? But like we've seen with the with the reverse retros, winter classic jerseys, I and and these jerseys now too. I wouldn't necessarily mind seeing a different iteration of a of a new home and away. I really wouldn't. Yeah, I'm with you. These jerseys um I, I, love I was actually yeah, no, I was actually tweeting about it with with Gail on Twitter because I hate the first time I saw them I hated them like the when the Bruins first announced them they look like ass and when I saw them on the player like when I saw them in action when they were on like on media day when like I think I saw a video of Matt Grizzlick walking wearing them and like you know Brandon Carlo was wearing them and I was like oh wait a minute these actually look kind of cool and I'm totally with you right now that uh I love the jerseys right now I'm a big fan of them um I love the uh the third jersey is definitely my favorite but no, they've definitely been growing on me. But I also know that like by game 70, I'm going to be like, oh, get these things off my screen. Like I'm probably going to get sick of them. And I've seen <laughs> a couple clips on Twitter of the Bruins wearing their jer- like their normal jerseys. And part of me is like, oh, I kind of miss that. Like I kind of like want to see the, their normal jerseys come back. So I wouldn't mind. And I think like what you said was perfect. I think that the jerseys they're wearing are great right now. I think come the end of the year, I'm going to start to get a little sick of them, but that's okay. And I think that next year I would not mind if they tinkered with their jerseys a little bit, because this is the time. Like if you're going to, if you're going to make some like minor design changes to your jerseys, do it right now when you're about to reintroduce them after not wearing them for the last year. But, um, yeah, no, I thought I thought it was funny. I didn't even know I felt that way about the jerseys. I saw, I think I saw a picture of. Oh, you know what it was? It was during the last Bruins game. They were showing a graphic of Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman, and the two of them were were in the graphic. They were wearing their uniforms and their pads and everything from last year. And I was like, oh man, I kind of missed the their normal jerseys <laughs> a little bit. I like those, especially too, because I mean, you're having a change of culture right now too. Bergeron retired, Krejci retired. Um, the core that won in 2011 obviously is gone. I think to kind of set this new era of Bruins hockey, it's probably a good idea to maybe 
like you said, minor changes or, or just something a little bit different instead of just going right back to what they had before. Um, it would be interesting. I mean, I don't you know, know what I, I don't necessarily know what they would do, but seeing really something like, different is always fresh, refreshing. I really like I think it was Brett who made them the the Bruins mock up where he changed the B to um, honestly, the, the the Bruins B looks a lot like it does right now on their Centennial jerseys, except obviously yep. it's not it's not like sparkly gold. It's a normal gold, but it's not the spoked B anymore. It's like the B that they had in like the late 90s where it's just like a, like a, like a block B, but it was in white and it had the yellow spokes. It was almost just like an inverse of what the Bruins mm. spoke B looks like now, but the B wasn't like italicized you know it wasn't all fancy it was just a b i kind of like that but yeah. there's really like like the, the black and gold and the style of the jersey it's so synonymous like it's right. hardly ever changed like throughout history really the only change they've ever made is like they've added a couple stripes here and there like they have the stripe around the waist other than of course when they had like the meth bear and the Pooh bear and like the joe thornton years where they had like the mountain ranges on the bottom like they made changes like that but for the most part the jerseys have looked pretty uh continued pretty consistent throughout franchise history so i really don't know what they could have done but like with the centennial jerseys i had i had no idea what they were going to do and i think i think you and i i don't think it was on a pod i think you and i were just talking about that about like how like how do you appropriately represent a hundred years of bruins history in a jersey because it's more than just having changing your gold from like you know the Bruins typical gold to like gold flakes like you got to incorporate history into that somehow and I I don't know how I don't know if I like what they did I I still think that the stripes on the arms and everything is ugly as sin I hate those I hate it so much I get the history behind it but I don't know it's it's hard as I honestly they should just contact Brett because some of the some of the mock-ups that he's made for Bruins jerseys are like unbelievable (laughs) I mean just check out our EASHL team like yeah he made the jerseys for that (laughs) <laughs> the cream ones was oh. a crispy. Um, yeah, but we also yeah, we also. I, oh, sorry. No, I was gonna say the the next one. Yeah, we also received another voicemail from the same person about an hour and a half later. Uh, oh man, I just read the transcript. This is gonna be a good one. I can figure it out. Hang on, hang on. All right, gentlemen, I got another good one for you. If you could change the Bruins goal song to one other song besides zombie nation what would it be mine would be one more time by daft punk one more time that's crazy that's crazy you said that because wait until you hear it wait until you hear the song at the end of the episode which is even funnier because he's gonna wait to listen to the song at the end of the episode and it's not gonna be the one time (laughs) (laughs) i mean the thing is with zombie nation right and i've always i've been thinking this recently because they've had it for so long. When they, ch- if they change it, I don't ever want them to change it because it's so perfect. But yeah, if they ever change it, um, I have to find it because I have a song in mind that I think would be good. If it's they by change the Dropkick it, Murphys, I th- oh yeah, I think anything Dropkick Murphys would work in Boston. If they changed it. I- <sighs> I can't even imagine a world where the Bruins changed their goal song, but I like the ones that are more uh, like the reason I like zombie nation so much is because like the whole crowd gets in, you know, Oh, like everybody does it together. Like it's, it's it's not like, like a song with lyrics, like Chelsea dagger. I mean, like that's, I mean, I guess that portion of Chelsea dagger, they play in Chicago, but it's not a song that you sing that has like lyrics. It's more just like making noises with 
everybody at the same time. I would I would almost want it to be that I'm blue song. You know what I'm talking about? The double D double die song. Wait, yeah. hang on. Let me play. Yeah, it. You, yeah, yeah. Like imagine the Bruins score and I'm blue double D. I mean, it would be better if they were the Columbus Blue Jackets or some shit, but I think that would be funny. It would be funny. All right. So this is, I'm uh, sorry. I, I was kind of, I muted my mic sorry. because I wanted to try to find the part of the song that I was talking about. So it's called, it's called the lonesome boatman, right? So here, here it is. Ready? Like, this is hype, dude. Come on. Listen. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I actually love that. Like That's what I'm saying. Like, how perfect would that, going from Zombie Nation to that, it has the same kind of, like, cadence almost. It has that crowd involvement where everyone can just be like, oh, it's it's, it's the perfect, like, drunk song. Like, a a bunch of drunk in Boston. Oh, like, just going, going crazy. Now, imagine this, right? third period close game uh the st louis blues are in town tory krug just made a huge play two and one going the other way there's a minute <laughs> left in the game uh brad marshawn sauces it over a guy's stick hits Posternock right on the tape he snipes it top shelf the bruins are now winning and this is all you hear <laughs> all right so ready ready so, dude, yours is so much better than mine. Damn it! Ready, ready, but but same scenario. So like tie game, game eighty two. You need to get this win to to secure a playoff spot in Boston against Toronto. Excuse you. <laughs> yeah, I got the Miller burps again. Tie game two two against Toronto. Game eighty two. You need this to make the playoffs. Thirty seconds left. Um, Matthew Potter comes down the ice on a on a two on one with 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 Pavel Zaka, feeds it to Zaka, Zaka back to Patra, fucking right past Sam Sonov. Right here, this part, ready, ready, right here, right here, right here. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Like that's oh my god, dude! And it's dropkick Murphys too. Like it's perfect. I can't even. I can't even believe that I would even enter this argument with "I'm Blue" after by Eiffel sixty five. After you play that song right there, (laughs) Jesus Christ! And the fact that it's the dropkick Murphys is just the icing on the cake, right? I don't ever want. I don't. I I never want to see a day where Zombie Nation is replaced. But I will know it will be okay if it's replaced with the song that you just picked. Yeah, See, and I want to make a mock-up of it with the horn in that song too, just to like put it out there and be like, "What do, what do you guys think? <laughs> you guys think hey, uh, a, hey, uh, Cam Neely, uh, what do you think about this? Hey, Cam, we've had Zombie Nation for a while. What, what do you think about this? <laughs> <laughs> what if you sprinkle that? What if you just play this when the Bruins go to power play? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like just feel it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how the crowd reacts. You know, a little yeah. See what's like a thing. big focus group. Yeah. All of a sudden, everyone's like, oh. oh, oh. 
<laughs> that was perfect. I love that so much. Yeah, dude. What a question. And clearly I've been thinking about this because I, yeah. I pulled that up right away. <laughs> I hate um, but shout out to the voicemails. Uh, Mel, do you want to read the voicemail line for you know people oh, who yeah. are listening right now if they want to call in? Yeah, we've said it a thousand times. You can call literally anytime you want. Um, the number is 508 263-0854. That is 508-263-0854. The number is also listed on our Twitter bio. You can follow us on Twitter at Bruins something. Call anytime. Bruins question, non-Bruins question. Hey, how are you? What's going on? Got girl troubles? Anything. Sully and I are here for you. Or guy troubles, whatever it might be. Um, call, leave a voicemail, and we'll do our best to uh, feature it on the pod. Most of the times... Uh, Actually, most of the times, I should say every time, we usually don't listen to them before we play them on the pod. So sometimes we can be pleasantly surprised by what it is that you guys have to say. Um, but yeah, definitely, that's something that now, of course, that the, we didn't really utilize it that much during the off season. I know p- some people had called and we we miss playing your guys' voicemail. But now that the season is starting up, that's definitely something that we want to incorporate once again into our show is voicemails from you guys, of course, to go along with the DMs that you guys submitted. And with that being said. Did we get some good DMs and questions this week? We got some good ones. So let's go. Cool. Uh, earlier today, we asked you guys to send DMs. So we got some good answers here. We got some good questions. The first one comes in from Celtics Dom Toronto, aka the Meat Man. You can follow him Not on Twitter at that's the our Meat center, Man. baby. Two five three, our center, face off wizard, the man in front <laughs> of the net, just creating chaos. He's is, is Pasha incarnate or is or is Meat Man JVR reincarnate? Um, but he said, "Is Pasha Bergi incarnate?" Here's a little interesting stat: both second round picks, both came into league as teenagers. Both Canadian. Patra and both Canadian. Patra and Bergeron both scored their first goal in their fifth NHL game. Um. Is Patra Bergie incarnate, or are we all crazy? Both have seven letters in their first name. Both have seven letters in their first name. There's also, hang on, before we even continue. They both, they both got their first goal as a teenager. Didn't yep. they both get it in their fifth career game as well? I just said that. Did you? I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> I don't know, you probably couldn't see me. I, w- I was counting. I was using my fingers to count how many letters were in Matthew and Patrice. That's... <laughs> Also, shout out to uh, B's memes because he tweeted this out. Shout out. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Big Bad B's memes. Patra wears 51. 51 backwards is 15. There are 15 letters in Patrice Bergeron. Also, <laughs> didn't they both score their first career goal in their fifth game? I'm not sure if they did, but I think that Bergeron and Patra both scored their first career goal in their fifth career game. Did they really? I That's, think so. <laughs> dude, the parallels are so. It's like, have you ever read? Have you ever heard the story about, uh, like, the parallels between, uh, like Abraham Lincoln and and John F. And JFK? Yeah, yeah, That's creepy. That's, That's creepy. Weird. If you haven't heard that, go look it up because we could we could we should put out a conspiracy episode in the middle of the week and just talk about stuff like that. JFK Anyways. was shot in a in a in a JFK no, was shot in a Ford and and JFK Lincoln was shot, shot in a Ford, Ford theater. Yeah, dude, and uh, I can't, I can't. I'll be, in, I'm a, I'm a history nerd, so we, this would, this episode would be four hours long. But we no, hang on, after another time. Hang what? on, we're gonna. You, I'm just, I'm gonna rattle it, them find off. Find the graphic. I'm, I'm gonna rattle them off. 
Um, let's see. Okay. Ready? little history yeah. lesson for you guys. Um, Abraham Lincoln elected to Congress in 1846. JFK elected to Congress in 1946. Lincoln elected president in 1860. Kennedy elected president in 1960. Both were particularly concerned with civil rights. Both wives lost a child while living in the White House. Both presidents were shot on a Friday. Both presidents were shot in the head. Lincoln's secretary was named Kennedy. Kennedy's secretary was named Lincoln. Both were assassinated by Southerners. Both were seceded by Southerners named Johnson. Andrew Johnson, who succeeded Lincoln, was born in 1808. Andrew Johnson, who succeeded Kennedy, was born in 1908. Um, John Wilkes Booth, who assassinated Lincoln, was born in 1839. Lee Harvey Oswald, who assassinated Kennedy, was born in 1939. Both assassins were known by three names. Um, Lee Harvey Oswald, John Wilkes Booth. Uh, both names are composed of 15 letters. Um, Lincoln was shot in the theater named Ford. Kennedy was shot in a Lincoln car made by Ford. Booth and Oswald were assassinated before their trials. Um, a week before Lincoln was shot, he was in Monroe, Maryland. A week before Kennedy was shot, he was with Marilyn Monroe. Wait, Lincoln was shot in a theater and the assassin ran to a warehouse. Kennedy was shot from a warehouse and ran to a theater. I mean, you can't you can't listen to something like that and not think that we live in a simulation. <laughs> Dude, okay, well then let's go back to Patra and Bergeron. The com- did we just compare Matthew Patra and and Patricia <laughs> okay, and freaking uh Lincoln? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Forget about all those parallels between Lincoln and Kennedy. The most, I think, eye-opening one to me, the one that makes me feel like we're living in a simulation, is the fact that Matthew Patra and Patrice Bergeron both scored their first career goal in their fifth game. Yeah, that is... Is that not crazy? And I'm pretty sure both both first goals came against California teams. Let me... Hang on. Let me, let me check that really quick. First goal. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Against the LA Kings on October October 18th, 2003. There's some weird parallels, man. Listen, I'm I'm not going to say that Patra is Patrice Bergeron incarnated because they are not the same kind of player, but I will say that, um, Bergeron made this team as an 18-year-old kid and never never went back down, never looked back. Yep. And Potra's starting his career with the Bruins the same way. He had a strong preseason. Um, this is the time, like, he is all the – I don't want to say all the pressure in the world right now because if he gets sent back to Ontario, he'll just be back here next year. But the fact that, like, he knows that, you know, if he doesn't perform these nine games as well as he did in the preseason – his NHL dreams are on hold for another year, and he's going back to the OHL. And despite that, he's playing some incredible hockey. He's got three points through five games. He had two goals the other night. He's doing okay in the faceoff dot. He's playing second line minutes. He's playing third line minutes. He's got these guys all around him. He's making moves. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to call him Bergeron 2.0 because there will never be another Bergeron, but maybe impact on the game wise. Very he's similar. Looking, he's looking like a, like a young Bergeron we'll, little bit. We'll, yeah, we'll say this. 
the way that their careers have started are very, 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 very similar. I still think he's, I still think Patra is more comparable to David Krejci, but the way that it started, it's, you can't argue facts. You just can't argue facts. Um, and it, and it's, it's cool too. Cause not just Bergeron, but like stacking him up against other rookies, like you know, stacking him up against like Connor Bedard and like Leo Carlson and what some of these other guys are doing. Like, but like, He's Patra's right in the mix, and he's yeah. not playing first line center every night either. And again, I know it's been five games, and two of his three points came in three minutes of one another the other night. But like his play through the first game, like you just said, especially with us, because like we're kind of dumb and we're not all about numbers and all that stuff. Everything with us is a bit of the eye test, and like it doesn't take a genius to watch Patra out there and know that he's making di- he's making a difference on the defensive side in the neutral zone, winning puck battles in the offensive zone, setting people up, just making the right reads, and like yep. his the way that he reads a game is unbelievably mature for somebody his age and and it's not just like the you know the physical and mental component of being a 19 year old playing in the nhl like i think like you really have to understand like this is a kid who's playing ohl hockey like his the his pace of play the the game that he understands has been at a, a junior hockey level has been at i don't know who where he played before he was in the in the ohl but he he's never played a lick of professional hockey, no AHL, no NHL time, nothing. And like, that's true for some of these guys who are drafted in the top 10, like Connor Bedard didn't either. Neither did Leo Carlson or some of these other guys, but Pacha was a second round pick, like a guy who wasn't expected to make any noise this, this as soon as he did. And for him to come over directly from the OHL, no professional experience and pretty much dominate all preseason and then have the regular season start and have that same Obviously, you, he's not going to have the same level of production in the regular season that he did in the preseason. But for the regular season to start, and he's got three points in five games, he he doesn't look out of place at all. And he's still making those reads and those plays that he was making all preseason. I mean, holy shit. And that's why Bergeron was so good, too. Obviously, everything he was as a player. But the guy was a, a, a genius on the ice. The way that he, he was never out of position. He's never reaching for a puck. Very rarely is he going to the penalty box. He's just like, he's the player that guys study, like just the perfect reads every single time. He's the best two-way player of all time, not just because of what he does defensively, obviously six Selkies, but the guy can had a couple 30 goal seasons as well. Like he's more than capable in the offensive end as well. And, um, I think that's what I think people talk about when they see some some Bergeron and Patra is like the guy's ability to read the game and to just understand what's happening in front of him at such a young age is unheard of. It's unbelievable. So right now, I, and again, very early into the season, but as of right now, rookie scoring leaders tied for first place, Connor Bedard and Logan Cooley, both at four points. Tied for second place. Matthew Nyes, Matthew Patra, Caden Korjak, and Matthew Phillips, all with three points. So, hey, stats don't lie. That's right. And we get to see a rematch of the Bedard show. Connor, Connor Bedard and Matthew, Matthew Patra tonight. Everybody's it's a talk of the town, talk of the league. Everybody wants to tune in to see that, you know, that dynamic matchup, that head-to-head matchup between those two budding superstars. Yeah. We got I the mean, better of the two. 
I got the t- I got the game on the TV right now, but ESPN still hasn't started it, so I don't know what's going on. But the next question, and shout out to Meat Man again. You can follow him on Twitter at the Meat Man two five three. Shout out to him. Shout out to Cross Court Coverage. Celtics season is coming up, so make sure you give that pod a follow too. That's hosted by Marty, but and Grace, Marty and um, Grace. Yep. But this next question comes in from Ian Kennedy. It's kind of a two parter. Um. Oh no, Ethan two point two parter today. Interesting. We didn't get it. We didn't get a DM from our friend Jack across the pond either. Interesting. Um, I'm a little ne- hurt. Nevertheless, um, this next question comes in. <laughs> this next question comes in from um, Ian Kennedy. Oh, I just lost it. Shoot. Um, nice. Oh, he, a two-parter. He said, "The second period has been very relaxed slash sloppy. How concerned should we be as fans, and what can slash should be done to fix it?" I'm not concerned. Um, I think it's just going to come with time. And as, as we play more games, um, not on the West coast, I think it'll be a little more consistent. So I think it'll be, it'll be okay. I don't think it's, there's anything to fix really. It's crazy that you say that too. Cause the Bruins have always historically been, uh, just a, a dumpster fire in the second period. Like they've, mm-hmm. I, I remember, uh, those, those 20 teen years, um, it might've been like the late 20 teen years, albeit when like, like the David Backus years before they were in the cup in 2019, Bad like it, it, it yeah, exactly. It almost felt like in those games, it was like, oh, first period ending. Let's just try to get through the second because you knew what was coming. Like it was just a dumpster fire in the second period. Um, but despite that, the Bruins are a, a dynamite third period team. Like, holy shit. Like that's where they win yeah. their games. And if, you know, obviously you want consistency and you don't want to have to sacrifice a period, but I would much, much, much rather have the second period be the period. Cause you know, you have the long changes in the second period and stuff. And, uh, like you just said too, like those West Coast road trips, like these guys, I'm sure they're beat, and and it's not like they're coming back. Like they know they got to make a pit stop in Chicago on the way too. But if there's gonna be one period that you're gonna struggle, it's usually the second period. And I would much rather be a, a team that struggles in the second period than a team that struggles out of the gate or a team that struggles in the third period. And the Bruins don't have a problem with either of those other two options. So second period, you can figure it out, but we'll see. Yeah. Um. So his second part of the question is that 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 he said what would your confidence level be if we rolled out this as a future lineup in games later this season he says he thinks it could be an energy boost he's referring to the lines that he just made up so marshawn patra parsonak jvr zaka debrusque frederick coil geeky lucic beecher lauko defensively grizzlick mcavoy carlo lindholm lori shattenkirk all Mark and Swayman in that. I like it. The only thing can, that concerns me is Matthew Potra on the first line because we don't know what that looks like yet, and we don't even know if he's staying past this nine-game trial. I think it's crazy to say that he's not. I think he is staying, but we don't know that for a fact yet. And I still don't know if he'd be able to handle a workload of a first-line role. But in a perfect world, I love it. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I, I would love because Matthew Patra is unbelievably creative. Everything we just said about him, and um, like imagine what he could do with Pasta and Marshawn on either side of him. Like, oh my god, that would be a lot of fun. But um, I do still, in the back of my head, always have secondary scoring, and um, yeah, 
you know, like Zaka, like would he what like would he be able to create with Jake DeBrusque and JVR on the line? Obviously, the way that they've looked to start the season, yeah. But is JVR realistically gonna be, you know, on you know, scoring three goals every five games like he has? And, you know, Jake DeBrusque, is he gonna be able to continue to contribute like he did last year? You would hope so. But I think that those those lines would be a lot of fun. I would love to see Patra get top line minutes, but I don't know. I'm all about balance. Yeah, no, me too. Um, so shout out to Kennedy for that. Again, follow him on Twitter at Kennedy I five seven. Next question comes in from our guy Tommy Bennett. Follow him on Twitter Tommy. at JBennett thirty seven. Shout out to him. Shout out to Running with the Devils. But he said, "Hot take slash bold thought. Want yours." Sweeney signed Swayman to the bridge deal for one year, not just for financial reasons, but to see if he can replicate last season's success. So far, he is. His guess, they trade Olmark this summer and ink Sway to a long-term deal and bring up Bussy. I think that's, honestly, I, I think that's closer to, you know, truth than not. I don't think they trade him this year. Um, I think what you have in goaltending is set. Let's see what Bussy does in the AHL this year. If he can light it up again, then for sure, um, then for sure you can explore an Allmark deal. But say Bussy kind of falls down to earth and he doesn't have a strong season, then it changes the narrative a little bit. Um, but I'm with you in in exploring that in the summer. Don't do it now. And we kind of touched on that earlier. I I don't think you do it now. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Um, you know, it's going to come a time where you have to pick one of the two guys, you know, either Olmark or Swayman. And I think you have more reasons to stick with Swayman than you do Olmark. Um, and, I mean, we'll see how this season goes, but come off season, if you have to move one or the other, especially if you need to make a big, you know, a big play, whether it be to get some scoring or something. I know we, I was just saying I wouldn't do that in the regular season this year, and I still would not do that this year. I think that's a question for the off season, but... Um, if Bussy is that good, I know everybody's been talking about, uh, you know, how good Bussy looked in Providence last year. He looked great when he played in the preseason. I know preseason obviously is a different beast than the regular season. And he's also not going to get any NHL minutes this year either because it's not like he's going to, you know, they're going to bench Swayman or Omar for a game just to see Bussy. Um, but uh, maybe towards the end. They could, toward, depending on, you know, what, what right. their position looks like in the standings. But, um, you know, if, if, like at the end of the day, like I have no reason to not trust the Bruins' judgment in goaltending. They've hit on everything. Even their decision to trade Vladar over Swayman, people were saying that they traded the wrong guy. You feel dumb now? Like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> um, <coughs> so, you know, I have full faith that this team is going to make the right decision between the pipes. And if that means that they move Olmark and they call up Bussy and Swayman is the number one goalie of this franchise for the next 10 years then let's ride. Then I'm supporting it. Then I'm behind it. But um, I think it's hard to answer that question right now because we don't know how this season's going to play out and what, you know, each of them are going to look like in an 82 game sample this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So shout out Tommy. Next question comes in from Island Stew. Shout out Island Stew. Um, it helps us make the TikToks, post them on social media. Dude, those are awesome. When those pop up on my timeline, it literally makes my day every time. I, I missed the, uh, I didn't even see the trailer because when I, at work, I work in, in the basement, so I have no service. So I, I, when I get out of work, that's when I see everything. And I didn't even see the Charlie Coyle one that he put together until you showed that to me yesterday in the locker room. <laughs> Charlie Coyle works at Starbucks and all that shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I thought it was hilarious, but the, uh, yeah, no, those TikToks are awesome. Highlight of my day. Uh, so yeah, shout outs to, um, he says the identity of the team is unknown at the moment because of so many new faces in the squad, but couldn't you say this is a rock solid defense first team that will punish any player at your net front. Then Patra scores a Hattie grinding defense first team with solid goaltending. What do you think? Yeah. Say that again. Sorry. <laughs> he said the identity of the team is unknown at the moment because of so many new faces in the squad, but couldn't you say this is a rock solid defense first team that will punish any player at your net front. And then Patra scores a Hattie grinding defense first team with solid goaltending. Oh yeah. I know that was one thing we were talking about was what this team, uh, like what kind of team they would be. I know Jack was saying that it's a team that's known for shithousery. It's going to be hard not to be a team like that when you have Brad Marshall as your captain. But I think that early on through these first five games, you can definitely tell that this is a team that's built from their, their goaltending and their defense out. Um, you know, yep. they might have, uh, you know, maybe maybe Pasa has a night off and we don't know if Patra is going to stay up after the nine games. And we think he is, but he probably will be. But still, this is a team where you know that your offense might not. I feel like I feel like this is a team where you know your offense might not show up every night. But the way that the defense is constructed in your in your goaltending tandem, you know what you're going to get out of them every night. And yep. um, I feel like the Bruins of old. And when I say old, I mean like the early 2010s. They were so strong defensively. Like Chara, Seidenberg, Ferentz, Johnny Boychuk. They had Tim Thomas, Tuka Rass. Like that, like they would they would beat the shit out of you. You were not going to have a good time going to their net. Like Stu just said, you're going to have to battle in the corners. And I think that it's not like they went away from that. But I mean, the team that they've had here, like the last six, seven years, yeah, they've had a good defense, obviously, but they've really had some elite forwards as well. It felt like a more balanced team. Whereas like now, like back to the basics, baby, like this team is just going to, it's, they're hard to play against. Like they've got size everywhere. Their third line is freaking huge. I think everybody's over six, three. Uh, yep. And that's not even including Lucic on their fourth line, that massive man that he is. And then your defensive unit as well, <laughs> your defensive unit as well is hard to play against. And it's not even just like, when I say hard to play against, it's not just like they have like a 6'9", Zidane Chara with this long ass stick, like good luck going in his corner, he's going to beat you up. Like they have such a mix of guys. Like they have, like Brandon Carlo is a, is a defensive juggernaut. Like he can lock, he can effectively shut off half of the ice, whatever side of the ice he's playing on. And you have like a big puck moving physical defenseman in Hampus Lindholm. You got the whole package in Charlie McAvoy. And then, I mean, we'll see what kind of player Laura is when he makes the roster. But like Shattenkirk, he's a he's a speedy guy. He can move the puck around. Matt Grizzlick, like he can move the puck around. Like they have such a mix of defensive players. Like it's it's hard to play against. And then if you can manage to get past them, here's Linus Olmark. Here's right. Jeremy Swayman. <laughs> like find a corner of the net and try to try to shoot the puck at it. Like that's that's definitely I think the um, the the I guess the personality of this team is uh, defense and goalie out they're hard to play against yeah yeah no i'm with you too i mean i i don't really know how to sum it up any better than you did so i might just leave it at that but yeah shout shout outs to um the final dm question comes in from matthew brunner you can follow him on twitter at matthew with an ieu brunner he said i know it's early in the season but with the retirement of Bergeron and Krejci, I honestly expected things to start way worse. I thought they asserted themselves well in L.A., 
but that has been the only contender type of team they have played. Thoughts? And we kind of touched on this earlier. Um, it's going to be interesting because uh, I think that the, the next game after this, if I'm correct, off the top of my head, is Detroit. And right now, Detroit is on fire. Debrinket is on fire. Um, hey, what's Moe's up with Tiger. him? Moe, I don't know. Moe, he heard us talking shit. But Moe's Cider on fire. Um, Little Caesars Arena on fire. Motown is back. Hockey Town is back, it seems. And it's funny that it is because you, when you lump together, you know, the three teams in the Atlantic who are kind of looking to make the, the next step right this season, it was Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit. And Detroit, in my mind, was the least likely team to get there. So I think as long as tonight's game against Chicago goes well, even if it, even if we, even if we lose, and again, like we said, we're recording during the game, so we don't really know yet. But the Detroit game is going to be a giant test. That's a big one. Yeah, the Bruins' next game is actually Thursday against the Ducks, and then they have Detroit. Okay. They have Detroit right after on Saturday, but <clears throat> no, I'm with you. And in like the first five games of the season, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. Like, I know that they just played the West Coast teams. They opened their game against Chicago, but like, I don't know. Like, I think it's more than that. Like I already said, like that game against Chicago, like it nationally televised game, game one of the year, the centennial night, the gardens jumping. And like, that's, that's definitely a game that the Bruins should win, obviously. But I, I don't think it's as easy as that. You just look at the paper and say, Oh, game one, Chicago win. Like, I think that there were factors into that game that could have thrown the game Chicago's way, or, or it could have distracted the Bruins, whatever you want to say. Um, yeah. And the West coast road trip, like those trips are always hard, whether it be a team from the West coast coming to the East, like you're not sleeping in your own bed. You have the, the, the time difference. Like you're, you're playing on the West coast, you know, maybe your family at home is already in bed for every reason. I don't want to make excuses for the guys, but for every reason in the book, those games aren't just normal games. Like it's not like the ducks, like it, the ducks are coming to town on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. That's the game that the Bruins should kick curb stomp them. Like they should beat the yeah. shit out of the ducks in that game. But you know, they they first five games of the year they should have won those five games and they did win those five games and yeah. I don't have anything to complain about they're they're doing better than I thought that they would I thought that they might drop one of those games and we did our predictions last week we both said the Bruins go two and one and they outperformed um, but like you were saying like the the level of talent that these teams have had to start the year is definitely not as high as what the Bruins are going to have come Saturday because they have the Ducks on Thursday they have the Red Wings on Saturday then they have the Florida Panthers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Red Wings again. Then they go to Dallas or Dallas comes here. I don't know. It doesn't say they play <laughs> Dallas. Then they play the Islanders and then they play Montreal who started the year three and one themselves. So, yeah. um, you know, they have some tests coming up. Obviously Toronto is a good team, two games against Detroit. Dallas is a good team. So it's not going to be a cakewalk, but you know, if, if you look at the first five games of the Bruins year, Bruin season, they're five and zero, and you go, yeah, but you know, I understand. These next games coming up after the Ducks, I think, is where we're going to start to see more of what they're made of. Because then we're hitting on Game Nine, we'll be able to see what's going on with Patra. They have some home games, some away games. They're playing some teams that we think are going to be making a push, and some Atlantic teams as well. Finally, we get to see Detroit come to town. Yeah. So you know, I think we'll get a better understanding of what this team is like after they play those guys. But I mean, after the first five games. I don't think there's really anything anybody should be saying, oh, shit about. Like, this team is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so shout out, Matthew. Um, 
I think that was a first time question asked too from Matthew. So shout yeah, out to Yeah, I've you. seen him on Twitter before. Yeah. Um, but hey, that about does it for episode 64 of the Something's Bruin podcast. Um, the Bruins and the Hawks right now, they're about halfway through the first period. So just to give a little, you know, uh, look into where we're at right now, it's 0 0, 10 minutes left. So as we get off this podcast, we're going to watch the rest of this game. Um, shots are even 7 7 right now, too. I've been watching a little bit on my phone. Um, and it's, it looks like a pretty fast paced game, but, um, yeah, shout out to you guys. Episode 64 of the something's brewing podcast. Um, five games into the season, five and oh, 10 points out of 10. Um, obviously David Pasternak laying it up. Marshawn's looking good as cap. McAvoy looks good on the back end. Jeremy Swayman and Lena Solmark landing up the world in net. Um, so hopefully, you know, we can see that continue and uh, uh, a fast start to the season, a good start to the season. Um, and they're starting off on the right foot. So let's get let's continue this as we head into the Halloween season into November. And and we're going to roll right into heavy hockey season. And uh, we'll be here every week to keep you guys updated. Keep sending us questions. Keep sending us voicemails. Um just to remind everybody, we are brought to you by Primetime Productions. Follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. Follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. Follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. And follow our Twitter account for the podcast at Bruin Something. No G at the end. And with that being said, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Oh, did you do the outro yet? No, not yet. I was waiting for, um, because I have to download the Beebs song. Let's go! I was going to hope you were going to do that. I was going to put a tweet telling everybody I picked that song. (laughs) Wait, do you know know that song? I haven't listened to it yet, but if I listen to it, I might. No, hang on. I'm playing it for you right now. I want to get your live reaction. Damn. Ready? Yeah. Oh shit, it switched over to my headphones. Hang on. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> Imagine this is our outro. It would get the people going. Yeah. Now the butterflies in my stomach.
by my side. 